This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Missing. I am Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic today, Tim. It's great to be back in the old saddle doing this yet untitled segment of the Missing Podcast. <laughs> uh, but what I do not want to be untitled is how you're doing today. Oh, well, thank you very much. I am doing well. We are recording this on Thursday, August 11th, 2022, and it is being released on Monday. And we want to talk about some of our recent episodes, some of our upcoming episodes, and just keep this awareness rolling, Lance. Exactly. Uh, this has been such a great uh, experience, I guess, doing these episodes because we focus on the YouTube comments and that brings a lot of engagement. It brings a lot of conversation to the people that we cover. And, you know, we just always want to make sure that all the individuals that we talk about, we continue to talk about. I use the word uh, ad nauseum, but really, that's the only way that you can keep this uh, visibility going. But we have a little bit of housekeeping to get out of the way right off the top, so bear with us. We do, yes. And uh, we were on tour with True Crime Obsessed. We did a couple of shows, one in Orlando and one in Atlanta, and we had planned to do three more, one in Minneapolis, one in Houston, and one in Dallas. And we are not going to be on that tour anymore. True Crime Obsessed is still doing those show dates, so if you had tickets, you probably got an email, and you should still go because it's going to be a great show. But us, uh, Lance and Tim, and Maggie Freeling will not be on the remaining tour dates. Right, and, and it's all good between all parties. We were just simply asked by the family to not continue that show, and of course we obliged, and like you said, you should go if you have tickets because whatever they're going to do is going to be a good time. They really don't do anything without the assurance that the audience will enjoy it and walk away from it with their faces hurting from laughter. So <laughs> that's that that's what you can expect when you go to their show. And huge thanks to the crowds in Orlando and in 
Atlanta because they were so engaged with the conversation and they met us at the end and we did this meet and greet where they come up and they talk to Patrick and we're sort of in the background, but they wanted to say hi to us as well, which was really cool. And every one of them comes up and they're just like, what most of them come up and they say, what can we do to help? And they're talking about uh, Moore's disappearance and they're talking about all the other disappearances and the stories that we work on and just telling us like, thank you for what you do. We're here for you. And it's an interesting moment because when they say thank you for what you do, we say immediately, no, thank you. Like we can't do this without you. So big thanks to the audience out there. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just wanted to mention a couple of quick interactions. A wonderful woman named Rochelle made her own T-shirt in Orlando and it said Lancey and Timmy and Maggie on the front and on the back it said and Patrick too. And again, she made that shirt herself, and that was just so cool to see. We were we were literally blown away by that. Also, in Atlanta, we met a wonderful woman who told us that she had had a tough year, Lance, and that if it weren't for our podcast, she doesn't know if she'd still be here right now. And she said that to you and me and Mags, and uh, it was just a wild moment, heartwarming, and uh, you know, it took me aback. It was a little emotional in that moment. I agree, because... That was completely unexpected. When someone says, love your show, love what you do, you don't usually have that followed up with, I had a really bad year, and if it wasn't for what you do and and listening, I don't know what I would have done. I don't know if I would be here. We've never actually gotten anything like that, and it does take you aback. But hey, if this is the effect of what we do, if if that is a positive side effect, I I will take that feeling of being taken aback any day. Absolutely. And Lance, I wanted to mention Missing Premium. That is where you can get every single episode of this podcast, Missing, ad-free. And you got to go to missing.supportingcast.fm and you can sign up. It is the price of a cup of coffee per month. So if if you give up one cup of coffee, you'll be fine for a month. Or just buy an extra one, really. Or buy an extra one, yeah. Just think of it like you're buying us a cup of coffee per month. That's a good way to think of it. Like you walked out of your local coffee shop and you're like, you know what? Someone else could use a cup. And you go back in and you grab a second. You just do that once a month. Wouldn't even That's know. It. It doesn't even doesn't even touch your uh, the vast amounts of uh, wealth that our listeners have. <laughs> That's right. And it will save you time, literally, because you won't be listening to the ads on the on the public main feed. And you'll be listening ad-free and sometimes early. And we also give our premium subscribers a weekly bonus show called Hidden Opinions that we love to do. And uh, we do it weekly with, sometimes with Jennifer Amell. And it that is a great bonus show where we really share our thoughts and feelings about the week at Crawl Space Media and the week behind the scenes here at Missing. Good stuff. Everyone loves a peek behind the curtain. And also, just want to make sure everyone who is on TikTok follows us over there on TikTok. You can find us at Missing CSM on social media and on TikTok. And also, give Crawl Space Podcast a follow as well. That's our other podcast. They're on TikTok at Crawl Space Podcast. And Lance, I just want to go over some of the comments about the title for this template episode. Uh, And we've kind of kept this conversation going for a while now, but I feel like we're still not there. We're still not there. We're close. We're getting every time we're getting closer. And this is, I feel like we have some serious contenders here. We do. We do. 
Lisa Gibson says, missing in the universe in case you have to go intergalactic. Which and is hey, a good, a good point. It is a good point, and I know it sounds like a joke, but what if we have to cover a missing astronaut? I mean, it's going to happen at some point, you would think. The odds clearly state that this will happen at some point. Astronauts <laughs> go into space. We cover missing people. I mean, you do the math. And Bethany Costa says, matters of the missing or the missing matters. It's close. I mean, missing people do matter. That That's clear. That's one of the points of this podcast, um, definitely. And I like the alliteration. I do like the alliteration. Yeah. And our uh, super fan, uh, shout out Susan, she had said something along the lines of flashlight for the mis- missing, flashlight on the missing, missing flashlight. And I brought that to your attention and we could get into some serious copyright issues with a very very aggressive individual <laughs> for infringement. <laughs> right. Well, John Lorden does a sort of a version called Searchlight where he's talking about missing people and the searches. Um, so I feel like maybe that's a little bit too close to him. And God knows he is litigious, as litigious as it gets. Anytime you mention brain scratch, you need to link and or else he'll send you a cease and desist. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Completely kidding. <laughs> Anytime you say the word brain Anytime you say the word scratch, <laughs> I mean, he will, he will, he will get his people on you. <laughs> so look out. You don't want to feel that wrath. <laughs> no, just kidding. Go subscribe to John Lorden and what he does at Lorden Arts on YouTube. And we'll keep this conversation going. If anyone's got any better ideas, I know we've got a lot of great suggestions here. I kind of like newsletter, missing newsletter. I kind of feel like that is what it is. It kind of just dawned on me that that's what this is. But also we talked about in one of the previous episodes, news probably isn't the best word to put in this title. So I don't know. I don't know where I'm at with this. Well, I get what you're saying. It's almost like a bulletin. It's almost like, um, Mm. what do you call a bulletin board? Missing bulletin Mm. board. You know, when you go into the Mm -hmm. aforementioned coffee shop, you see the community bulletin board. Right, right. I think that's pretty good, too. Bulletin board. Interesting. Okay. Bulletin board. Yeah, back to the drawing board on this. Maybe we'll have a new... Drawing (laughs) board. Well, Lance, last week on the Missing Podcast, there were two fantastic episodes that were released, and they were both about the unsolved murder of Blake Chappelle from East Noonan, Georgia in 2011. This is a tragic case, and Jennifer Ramel, our co-worker, put together these fantastic episodes about Blake, and she had some help from Kathleen Studer, and she spoke with Melissa who is Blake's mom, who's an incredible advocate. And you can find what she does on Twitter at here four, and that's the number four, Blake, Justice for Blake Chappelle on TikTok and Justice for Blake Chappelle on Facebook. And this is just a a tragic case. He was 17 years old when he was murdered. And not to make this into a plug for missing subscription service, The Hidden Opinion Show, but we did just discuss this with Jen during that episode. And... There are so many like like roadblocks with this. There's so many moments where you're like, well, it makes sense up until this point. And where do where do the pieces come together? And why was he dressed like this? And so, you know, if 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 you are so inclined, there's a lot of good information there on the Hidden Opinions episode. But everybody has been gravitating towards his 
case, his story, and the comments are amazing on YouTube. And the last few, I feel like we've been getting like this big influx of like productive comments. Like people are actually like not just arbitrarily saying stuff. Like they're giving us good information here. Yeah, definitely. And Melissa Becker, who is Blake's mom, she wrote, I want to thank you all for your hard work and interest in Blake's story. I'm truly blessed by your generous spirits and dedications to the victims and their families. Blake's beautiful soul taught me so many lessons and in his death continues to teach me more. It took me such a long time to not get angry when the sun came up in mornings and to not break down when I ate a meal. Blake was denied those things and more. I was denied those things and more. But life goes on, and so do our fighting spirits. Hashtag justice for Blake Chappelle. Yeah, that's an incredible comment. Uh, That's on the part two, the one that was released on August 4th. And again, like being taken aback, like that's his mom. And I I don't know what else to say about that. That's his mom. So hopefully some good is done there. Yeah, and that comment from Melissa is from Blake's mom, and she wrote that it took her such a long time to not get angry when the sun came up. So every morning she was angry about this, which, you know, you you can understand, um, but I I can't relate to. And it's just so heart-wrenching to even hear how difficult this has been for Melissa and the Chappelle family. Oh, totally. And not break down when eating a meal because every time she eats a meal, she thinks about how Blake will never have another meal. Every single thing she does, she thinks about how her son, 17-year-old young man, will never do. And, I mean, it I, again, I just don't know what to say. This entire comment is a, a wonderful... bit of like an emotional sandwich you know she starts off by thanking us she goes into like the pain that she went through and then she comes back with uh but life goes on and so do our fighting spirits so she she sandwiches the the negative emotion with the positivity and moving on and trying to make sure that something good happens. And I know like we talk about this all the time we say like it's great that people take some sort of triumph out of tragedy or you know something to that effect but it's true like i've never experienced and i probably won't ever experience anything that melissa has experienced but her words are so powerful that you understand on some level the pain that she's going through and how she's probably made that decision that she's not going to feel that pain anymore she's gonna know that it's still there but she has to move on yeah and she's done a great job spreading the word and uh, we we're there with you, Melissa. This is um this is a tragedy, and uh, hopefully there can be some answers soon in Blake's case. And if you have any information, you can call Crime Stoppers at four zero four five seven seven tips. And uh, there is a comment here from Nina who says, congrats to Jennifer for putting together a great couple of episodes. It is such a tragic story, but hopefully some justice will come for the Chappelle family. I've been a longtime listener of many podcasts from Crawl Space Media. Just know there's a human all the way over here in Tasmania who thinks that you're one of the best networks. You genuinely care about advocating for victims and their families, and for me, that's what matters most. Tasmania. Thank you. I know, right? Let's do a live show there. 
<laughs> from Nina in Tasmania. How amazing. Thank you so much, Nina. Yeah, seriously. Keep uh keep keep up what you're doing out there in Tasmania. I would I'd love to go. If we're if we have an opportunity to do a live show there, count me in. Um but she also says uh know that there's a human all the way over here and that's sort of a awkward seg- segue into the next comment that I I wanted to bring up uh from Vegan Kong. Excellent job, Jennifer. Really great, pre- really good presentation. I feel like I know Blake and his mom. So that's where I'm bringing in this human element. I think that's super important to identify that the way the episode was put together is so that people can relate to Blake and relate especially to Melissa, to his mom. So thank you to Vegan Kong for seeing that and you know making that statement. Yeah, so make sure to check out those episodes they're uh, they're great. They're put together expertly by Jennifer Amell, and um, there's a lot of information in those episodes. And apparently, they are Trump one approved because his comment was, "I really like how you guys put this one together. Excellent job. Uh, thank you, Trump one." Yes, thank you, Trump one. We do appreciate that. And John Lanton here says <laughs> podcast sucks ever since they stopped doing Maura Murray. I used to listen all the time and now I listen to a different podcast. <laughs> Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Yep. We're trying to spread the word about all sorts of cases. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. And Lance, on Monday, we released an interview that we did with an investigative reporter from WECT down in Wilmington, North Carolina. His name is Michael Pratz, and you can follow him on Twitter at Michael underscore Pratz with two A's and one T. And he's a great reporter who's been covering the mysterious death of Val DuVray. And this is kind of a complicated case with a timeline that is a little bit confusing mm-hmm. but essentially but essentially Val was reported missing by his father and then about two weeks later he had an interaction with police because he was he got the cops called on him because people workers at a nursing home thought he was trying to break in and when the police arrived Val told them that he was actually being chased and he wasn't trying to break in. He was looking for safety. And so the the full body cam has been released. We play a little bit in this episode from Monday. And you can hear the confusion from the police. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that really in a positive way because it's not like they didn't believe Val right away. Um, actually they, they took his word for it and even investigated what they, what Val said, uh, Val said he was being chased by someone. They actually, you can see in the body cam, they actually went around the building looking for this person. And there was some general confusion there between the, uh, the police officers, as you can see in all the different angles of the body cam, you can see them talking. And uh, and really unsure if Val was telling the truth or not about being chased or if this was just an excuse. But at least they were open enough to sort of have that conversation between them. Yeah. And unfortunately, Val's body was found later on. It appeared that he suffered from some significant blunt force trauma to his head. And that could either be from a fall or from being struck by something. But that's where everything is right now. 
So it's officially been ruled an accident, but the family, the, the Duvrays, are really pursuing this uh, to be looked at more closely as a criminal act. Um, there's so many possibilities, but during this interview, and even while we, after the interview and watching that body cam footage, you can see that the police, like you said, they're trying to help. They're mm -hmm. trying to figure out what to do. They're taking notes. They're communicating with each other. I don't know how many ended up being on the scene, but at least four or five were ended up, ended up being on the scene. He wasn't arrested and wasn't taken into custody or like protective custody at all. And he ends up stating to them that, he wants to go someplace that's lit so that he could be safe. He didn't seem to be acting irrational in the video, but again, didn't see anything before or after that. So I'm not sure. It is, it, it's, it's a frustrating uh, situation that the family's in right now. And, you know, hopefully we'll have either uh, Val's brother Zan on. We'll hopefully have Val's father also named Val on and just keep this going. Keep this conversation going. Yeah, so Val was found dead um, a little more than 24 hours after the police interaction, which is part of the story in that he had been reported missing um, by his dad. Uh, I think it was via email to the Wilmington police. And so I think one, I guess, mystery in that interaction is why didn't he show up as missing in their system? And so we, we don't really have that exact answer at the moment, but I did speak with a relative of mine, Lance, from a different state. He is a police officer, member of law enforcement, and things in Massachusetts are done a little bit different than they're done in North Carolina. Massachusetts allows 48 hours for you to enter a missing person into the National Crime Information Center or CODIS database, whereas I guess in North Carolina, it's up to 30 days that uh, it, it can take for, for a person to be entered. And I asked him the reason why it wouldn't be immediate. And he basically said, because a lot of these cases resolve themselves. And we've heard this over the years, Lance, in covering missing persons cases, because we know hundreds of thousands of people go missing every year. But obviously, not all of them continue to be missing every year. Actually, most of them become resolved, whether it's with a phone call or maybe maybe it's someone who has left their life intentionally and is not in danger. Police will find that out and report that back to the family. And so thus the case will get resolved um, without anyone searching for them. So I think ultimately that's the answer to that question. But it's still kind of a frustrating answer, if that makes sense. Yes, because understanding that each one of these incidents are situational, it's hard to apply that blanket statement to it and say, well, most of them get resolved, which is why things fall into the cracks because, well, if most of them get resolved, one or two can slip through. And to use like a restaurant analogy, it's like, getting your steak overcooked and the chef comes out in a renowned restaurant, a Michelin star restaurant. And that's why that chef is there. It's like, well, most of my steaks come out. Okay. So you're still paying the bill. It's a point I'm trying to make about if that's your job, I don't know if the excuse of, well, most of them resolve themselves is good enough because your job is to resolve them. And if you just wait to see if it's going to resolve itself, that doesn't make sense to me. Right. 
Yeah, I guess juveniles are entered immediately and more suspicious disappearances are entered immediately. But um, when Val was reported missing, it was made clear that he he was homeless. He was he had chosen to be homeless. So unfortunately, I feel like that might have put him into a different category in the Wilmington police forces uh, minds, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And that category that you're talking about is homeless people are not on a higher priority level than, say, someone from an affluent neighborhood who is running around claiming to be chased by somebody with a bat. Well, yeah, and also I think just because the family hasn't heard from them and Val in this case doesn't mean that they're missing and endangered. It just might mean Mm -hmm. they're homeless and haven't heard from Mm -hmm. from their family member you know so i think i think that's sort of where that line is and uh and unfortunately for the duvrays this uh because of that it turned really tragic and val was found dead um a little more than 24 hours later with some uh blunt force trauma to the back of his head whether that had come during a fall or from being hit with something we don't know but we do know from the body cam footage that val was concerned that one of these people who were chasing him had a baseball bat which coincidentally or maybe not the medical examiner said this damage could have been done by a baseball bat if anything is to come of this whether or not is it's officially uh transitioned over to a, a a crime or if it remains an accident that's that's one thing but if something can come out, come out of this where law enforcement can look at the process that goes into this that would be great because if the answer is well we just don't know what to do with a voluntarily homeless person who's claiming this and we can't take him in and arrest him because there's no crime that he's been obviously committing when we approach him and we're we're not a hotel. We can't just house people, so we just have to let them go back out on the street. That doesn't feel like the best solution to me. I feel like there needs to be some sort of solution, even temporarily. Do you take them to a homeless shelter? Do you take them to a hospital? Or do you take them home? Uh, you know, there's got to be some something after the fact instead of saying we just don't know what to do with them. And I'm not saying that's anybody's fault. It's just there's nothing there to say this is what we do now. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been a lot of talk about uh, mental health in law enforcement recently, and I think maybe budgeting for someone who can assist someone who's uh, experiencing something like that might help. Um, law enforcement is there, you know, to protect and serve per per uh, most cruisers, right? So yeah. this this one kind of fell in between the cracks because they weren't sure if they were protecting him or needed or if he needed protection or if they were serving the nursing home. And it's kind of a gray area when they, there isn't something obvious for them to do. You know what I mean? Yep. Absolutely. This is still a little bit of a mystery and uh, surely a tragedy, the tragic loss of uh, Val DuVray. Absolutely. And it's too bad that it has to be associated with a deficiency in the system because if someone in law enforcement is aware that the homeless community can be vicious to each other. And then the answer to what do we do with a homeless person when they're making these claims is, I don't know. We were going to put them back into this vicious uh, situation. There's just got to be some sort of process. Like you said, that great fill in the gray area. 
Yeah. Take them to a hospital. Take them to a homeless shelter. And Lance, just today as we record this, we released an episode with a mom. Her name is Manya, and she's the mom of Damon Mitchell. Damon went missing in March of 2021 from Escondido, California. And there is some thought and fear, I, I suppose, that he went across the border into Tijuana, Mexico. And we learned while speaking with Munya that that really complicates a search for a loved one. Yeah, over the border in any country would be a challenge because you're dealing with so many jurisdictional rules, I guess. But especially when you're going over the border into into a city that has the highest murder rate in the world. So while the police in Tijuana seem to be working well with Manya in her search for her son, they said to her at some point, we can't go into this area. You can't come down here. Like it's too dangerous. So that was really revealing to me. And also it was one of the, handful of times that we have spoken with a family member who's at this point this cusp of what to do next and there were numerous times that she said I just don't know I feel like I know something and then I'm sorry I just get all confused and she would start to speak about something and she would stop and she'd be and she'd say I just don't know and and it was like heart-wrenching to watch her working this out in her head because she was in the Again, this like cusp, this this like in between area, this limbo of like, is my son still alive? Is he in Tijuana? Is he not in Tijuana? And what to do with this? And not to mention the fact that we're talking to her. She doesn't even know us. That's weird too, to process with everything else. Uh, it's just heart wrenching. It really is. And um, Demon is fifty years old. Um, at the time of this recording, he's 5'8", 195 pounds with black hair and brown eyes. If you have any information, you can call the Escondido Police at 760-839-4722. And a large chunk of the conversation with Munya, Damon's mom, was about the scam attempts that were perpetrated in the aftermath of Damon's disappearance scam attempts on Manya and on her Facebook friends. So this is a little bit of a uh, public service announcement to families of missing people that this is common, uh, that you could get some text messages or phone calls. Manya said she got some text messages, a photo of blood in the grass saying that Damon cannot talk right now, send gift cards. Obviously, I think that's a huge tell. If anyone ever tells you to send gift cards, uh, you know, doesn't matter if it's a missing persons case or just a random email you got. Definitely don't do that. It's crazy. And we spoke with uh, friends of ours and private investigators who work with private investigations for the missing, our nonprofit, uh, Vanessa and Andy, about this. And they went into some significant details about the red flags and what to look out for and how this happens more often than we know. And when we had that conversation, we had heard about it, but we never had spoken directly to somebody who said these messages were coming in from, from like uh, apparently from my son telling me that in order to get out of here, I need $300 worth of uh, this particular gift card. 
And it was almost verbatim what they told us, what Andy and Vanessa told us, what Munya said. It was almost verbatim. This is what to look out for when you first receive these messages. It was just swap the names around. Yeah, and uh, I believe those investigators, Ness and Andy Weiland, even mentioned that a lot of these originate in Central America, which would track if uh, DeMond's phone was uh, across the border. And Lance, I want to let our audience know about a recent Crawl Space episode that they should really check out. It was released on August 10th, 2022, and it's called Who Killed Melissa Witt? And we spoke with an author named LaDonna Humphrey, who is also a mom and also a private investigator and really brave to have undertaken this this case and she's been working with law enforcement and she wrote this book the book is called the girl i never knew there's a link in the show notes you can just search on amazon or go to the girl i never knew.com to get your copy it's a great book and a tragic case and i love speaking with individuals like this who put their all into it and know how to approach a case like this how to approach a uh, cold case like this she is a private investigator, so she knows how to look into something like this and knows what type of material to put in a book so that, A, it resonates to readers and the person in there, the focus is relatable to readers, but it also has to be empathetic and it also has to have a readability where you're not feeling like you're being talked at. And that's exactly what this book is. You get all of the information, you learn about the victim, you learn about the family, and you learn about the author too. So it's the total package. I can't wait. And this sounds terrible to say, but I can't wait for her next book. And the reason why I said it sounds terrible to say, because I think her next book will probably be about another cold case, but she's such a great writer. She is. And uh, and the case of Melissa Witt is tragic. Melissa Witt went missing on December 1st, 1994 from a bowling alley parking lot. And her body was found by two trappers in the Ozark National Forest on January 13th, 1995. So a little bit more than a month later. And apparently that was about 50 miles away from where she was abducted at the parking lot of the bowling alley. So it uh, it definitely appears like a solvable case. Unfortunately, it is it is old at this point. You know, it is, it is essentially a cold case at this point. And in addition to... LaDonna's book, The Girl I Never Knew, you can also go to our friends over at Uncovered.com and you can look at the timeline in Melissa's case and it is incredibly thorough. It's almost like an elaborate version of Cliff Notes when you need to get all of the facts and details in one spot, all bullet pointed out with interactive maps, etc. So that's a Uncovered.com and you can uh, look at Melissa's plus other cases there and get some really good detailed information. Absolutely. And uh, make sure to check out the Crawl Space episode with LaDonna. It is, uh, it is fascinating. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. And Lance, some missing person news out of New Hampshire has broken. And uh, apparently the New Hampshire Attorney General is going to give an update on the case of missing eight-year-old 
girl from Manchester, New Hampshire. She was missing. Her name is Harmony Montgomery. She went missing sometime between November 28th and December 10th of 2019. And the attorney general is going to give a statement today. And it is expected that the statement is going to be that this case has gone from a missing persons investigation to a homicide investigation. Yes, and we'll keep ourselves up to date with all of the details on this. Like you said, the attorney general, I believe his name is John M. Formella. He's going to be joined with the uh, Manchester police chief, Alan Alderberg. And they are also going to be there with FBI members and U.S. Marshal service members as well which is a bit telling so this i would say you're you're right on track with saying this is going to be an announcement from missing person to homicide or just a criminal investigation and that's pretty much where we're at now that that announcement that press conference is going to happen today sometime in the afternoon so again we'll try to uh, follow this as closely as possible Okay, Lance, we're just about done here, and uh, make sure to check out our latest episode. That is airing this Thursday. That'll be August 18th, 2022. We spoke with Jessica Stax' mom, Kathy, and Jessica Stax went missing from New Albany, Mississippi on New Year's Day in 2021. This is another tragic case, very, very mysterious disappearance. And Kathy is really fed up with law enforcement down there and with sort of the snide comments that they've made, calling uh, calling Jessica's boyfriend at the time a good old boy, which I'm just really infuriated by, to be honest. And uh, so this this episode is, is interesting. It's really heart-wrenching, and uh, you can definitely feel the pain that Kathy is going through. As stated previously with the interview we did with Munya and Munya's state of mind and her position that she's in currently, it's the same with Kathy. Uh, there was a lot more raw emotion with Kathy because of the way she's been treated by individuals and law enforcement and sort of the situation is being written off, it seems. And there was this really awful moment where we finished the recording, our Zoom recording, and Kathy thought that she had turned off her Zoom. She thought she left the call, and we wrapped up. We both said, you know, hope you're doing well. Like, just get through. Thank you for speaking with us. And she was on the verge of crying, and she thought she had left the the, the Zoom call, and she just started, like, wailing. And we, we were watching it, and we didn't know what to do. And I think you had said, like, I'm so sorry, Kathy. And she was it, it wasn't just like sobbing. It was hand like head in her hands wailing. And and she realized she was still on the Zoom call and she was she apologized real quick and she left. But I mean, good God, I think we did both of those interviews in the same week. Right. Uh, Munya mm -hmm. and Kathy yeah. are like in the same few days. And it, it was I mean, that's that that one just like I think I even started to kind of like defense mechanism like laugh after because they didn't know what to do it was it was so raw yeah i mean we don't usually get to see um see the reaction after our interview you know like how much of an emotional toll it takes out of uh these loved ones you know and uh and and the mom in this case kathy so uh yeah it, it was heart-wrenching definitely tragic um 
our hearts go out to uh, to Kathy and Manya and uh, families of all missing people. Absolutely. And when you watch this episode, just look at that raw emotion and know like this isn't this is common with family members who have missing individuals. We just happen to catch it at the right moment or wrong moment, however you want to see it. And leave supportive comments. If you want to go and, and leave comments on YouTube, if you if for whatever reason you'd rather see us cover the disappearance of Maura Murray, just leave it alone for this one. Like leave supportive comments for uh for Kathy. She really, really needs it. Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.